All right. Well, if I sound a little froggy today, I am. I just uh, been driving, driving, driving. My mother just had her 90th birthday, so it's awesome. So we drove about 750 miles yesterday and got here late, so here we are. So uh, anyway, I feel pretty good, but I feel better about what we did with my mom. It was a blast. So we had a great time. Man. She's 90 and still going. Mom, if you're listening, God bless you. Happy birthday again. <laughs> and she had a bunch of her friends with her, too. And some of them are over 90 as well, so it was great. So she got this cool little thing. She's such a testament to me of our subject here, the power of bold, shameless, confident prayer, you know. She's 90, and she's been praying and praying and praying all these years, you know, and uh, you can see the results of it over our family and over our, our children and all of it, and just by her faithfulness and steadiness in the Lord. And I, she's my hero. I want to be like her when I grow up. So anyway, <laughs> so this is one of my favorite subjects, the power of bold, shameless, confident prayer. And... Um, all churches and all movements and groups are built on invisible values in the Lord. They're never built on just visible things. They're built on invisible things. Um, so, because that's the way the kingdom is built. It's built on faith, love, hope. These are invisible things, but they have a visible, tangible reaction, right? And so, one of the things that our church is built on, and every church should be built on, but ours for sure is built on, because I made sure it was built this way, and it continues to be this way, is what I call bold, shameless, confident prayer. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer, but prayer gets so misunderstood, and actually, in a way, for a lot of people, can actually get in the way of their walk with the Lord because they feel so guilty that they haven't prayed enough, or they felt like maybe they didn't hold their mouth right, or they prayed one time and it didn't work. So many different things that happen to us along the way because the enemy absolutely hates, absolutely hates, absolutely uh, <clears throat> Uh, viciously comes against you who would dare to attempt to change your circumstances or your life by praying. He hates it. And it's such a humble gift. It's like Frodo, right? Because <laughs> how many feel powerful every day you pray? You know, like, I'm God's man of faith for the hour. You know, I'll tell you what, life can put you on your back and then on your face so fast. It's just like that, right? <laughs> so you don't want to stay on your back unless you're praying this way, okay? But uh, make sure you turn over. <laughs> Humble yourself and pray. And it's very powerful. Our church is built this way. From the very beginning, everything that you see around here, we are confident, absolutely 100%. It all came out of nothing. It came out of supernatural prayer that prayed down everything. When we started, every step, every building, everything that we do, every program, everything. Uh, and it's so amazing how people can look over this simple little thing and get so uh, discouraged and so uh, confused and they just have to go back to the scriptures and understand our amazing access. And of course, Jesus was pulling away all the time as our example and getting alone with the Father and praying and uh, demonstrating this whole incredible value. And one of the biggest reasons why is not only a, an attitude of respect, but it works. If prayer didn't change anything, right, you know, <laughs> why? So prayer not only is a place of communion, but of change. And so that's why bold, shameless, confident prayer is what Jesus is after because that's bold, shameless faith and bold, shameless faith in Jesus causes the earth to move the heavens to rearrange over you so I want to read uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer first of all, Luke 11 1 to 3 13, sorry one day Jesus was praying in a certain place when he finished one of his disciples said to him Lord, 
teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give, each, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation or testing or trial. In other words, keep me out of problems. Keep me out of trouble, Lord. So all of those dimensions, everything that you see there, they all have their own dimension in terms of this thing we call prayer. So I'm not going to go through each one of those, but I just want to talk about this prayer, this bold, shameless, confident prayer that we have at our disposal to literally change the events, circumstances, and our own heart before the Lord. Verse 5, then he tells us a little bit about what prayer is like because you've got this nice list and everything. It's almost like a poem. So for some people, actually, prayer is like that. It's just like a big poem, right? An indiscernible pro, pro, <laughs> poem, but a poem, right? But look what he says. It gets really practical. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you say to him at midnight and say, you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children are in bed. Sounds reasonable to me, especially if it's 2 o'clock in the morning, right? I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity. This is the one place in scripture where you get to be shamelessly audacious. Crazy. Audacious. Like, how could that be? How could I move things around? How could... How could this, could God even touch the President of the United States? Could God change the economy? Could God change my economy? Could God, right? Yeah. It's endless. So I'm shamelessly audacious about so many things that I didn't even want to tell people because they'll think I'm a big baby. But I talk about everything. I tell God about everything. I'm, I'm, I, because I feel like I have this possibility, this probability. He's the one that said it. I can pray about everything and there's the possibility of that changing. The probability of that changing. It may take a while. It may happen right away. I never know how fast it's going to be. Sometimes the fuse on it's long. Sometimes it's short. But whether long or short, you're going to find me shamelessly audacious. You know why you're going to find me doing that? Because it works. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> it works. Because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And this is, of course... He's trying to explain this is how God works. So I say to you, and now the interesting thing in the Greek tense, here, here it is. It says, ask will be given to you. But really, it, should be, it can be translated this way. Keep on asking. Do this all the time. It'll be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, though then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I'm thinking of my childhood. My grandma was a great prayer, 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 and uh, my family. And uh, but she taught me some things in secret. I think my mom even knows about that. She would just tell me about the Lord and how to pray. And persist and and so I actually at a very young age uh, I began to try things out and most of the things I prayed at a very early, young age like nine ten years old were really selfish matter of fact they're just kids prayers but my Sunday school teacher also made the great mistake of telling me about prayer and when I heard it with my young ears and I remember one of them when I was like in third grade or something and she talked about praying 
and, I, and asking and how God answers prayer. And I, I, my little mind started computing things. I think, that's the best thing I've ever heard. You mean I can literally ask for stuff? So I started asking for bicycles and this and that. And I got them, man. You would not believe it. And my little faith grew and grew and grew because I thought this is the best deal in town. <clears throat> really. And, uh, and God met me there. He discipled me there. And it was little kid prayers, you know, like I want to be the most valuable player of the football team, you know. So I became the most valuable player of the football team two years in a row, right? I kept praying. I prayed every day. Lord, I want to be the most valuable player. I mean, really ridiculous, like superficial stuff, but meaningful stuff to me because then when you start taking these things that are of maybe high meaning to you, maybe low meaning to others, or maybe even sound silly, guess what happens? You begin to take these things and begin to apply them to the big stuff of your life later, right? Like, who am I going to marry? And Lord, what do I need this and that and that job. And you know, see what, see what I'm saying? But I got discipled early because of my Sunday school teachers because of my grandmother and my mother and my father and my you know the thing is they just told me what most people uh, would tell in Sunday school class whatever but for me somehow it hit my soul like this is reality like this is possibility this thing's like the is this is really true this is the best deal in town and then the Lord would just help me and he'd answer prayers and I thought hot dog this really works so I've grown up that whole way right some days it have been darker than others, and I've pulled away a little bit. But for the most part, I've stayed pretty much on the shameless audacity page, right? The Greek word in Luke 11, 8 can be translated shameless audacity. It describes brazen pursuit in the, in the pursuit of something. So uh, verse 8, I tell you, you will not get up and give you the bread because of his friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity. It's a great translation there. It's a great one. Uh, the NIV has it, and it nails it. Boldness in prayer comes from confidence in our standing with Jesus. So let's just turn to Hebrews uh, chapter uh, 4, our standing with Jesus. Now, Jesus bought this standing with us with the price of his own blood. That's a huge price to pay. So because of that, what he did for us, the way is clear for us to have relationship and access to him, right? And so life is just one big adventure of finding out what you can pray for, what God in God's interested in, God will help you with. And then you start getting into a larger sphere outside of yourself, praying for the president, praying for the nation, praying for your friends, your neighbors, mother, father, and so on. And, uh, and maybe situations that are desperate, that need to change in somebody's life. So look at Hebrews chapter 4, 14. Therefore, since we have a great pre high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Because of all of that, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we might find, receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I don't suppose anybody here has a time of need, but just in case. Anybody need any mercy or grace today? Is there one or two of you maybe? Okay, there's like ten of you. All right. Okay, I'll just speak to you ten, and maybe the others will catch on as we go on. Bold, confident prayer comes from our relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So the Spirit that we receive once we receive Jesus is also interceding for us, praying for us, encouraging us, right? We begin to communicate and fellowship as God's friends, and the Spirit shows us what God has freely given us. I love that so much, that verse. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, 
so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So you receive the Holy Spirit. So when I receive the Holy Spirit in this dramatic way, the, the, what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was 16 years old. And when the Spirit got me like that, I found out that I could actually pray in tongues, which I just thought was the coolest deal. I didn't have to speak in English because sometimes I ran out of words, so then I could blab in the Spirit all the time, right? <clears throat> and then I found out that the Spirit began to show me what God has freely given me. In other words, I began to see what was game, what I could pray for. And notice the word, what the Spirit has freely given us. So you don't have to twist God's arm. But sometimes what we do is we go through these times of praying, and God takes us on a journey. It's a really interesting thing. He's not being hard to get. He's taking you on a journey. So you need this, this, and this to happen. So you begin to pray about it. And along the way, he begins to change, rearrange about 15 other things on the way to answering that one thing. Because he's more generous than you think. You think he's holding out on you. You think he delayed. No, he said, then I see that hand. I'll raise you <laughs> this much. And we'll go for this much. How about that? And we go, no, no, I want the little thing. I want the little thing. No, I'm going to give you a couple of aces and a couple of kings here. You know, No, no, I want the little thing. I want the little thing. So he's actually more generous than we think what God has freely given us. I think that's a pretty good verse. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So what the spirit does is he reveals what God has freely given us. And then what we do is we pray for it under the unction and the power of the Holy Spirit, right? What a great deal. So dependence is the key. The spirit knows the mind of God, and he helps us to pray the mind of God. He helps us to pray even in our weakness, which is so amazing. I don't suppose anybody else gets weak from time to time. <laughs> Feels maybe even a little desperate. So just in case you do, this one's for you, right? In the same way, the Spirit, this is Romans 8, 26, helps us in our weakness. We always want to be strong with prayer and superficial. But God goes down to the very root, the very issues of our life deep down in there, right? He helps us in our weakness, and He knows your weakness better than anybody. You may think your weakness is over here, but it's really over here. It's causing this over there, right? We don't have any trouble with that medically, you know. I'm even, you think a doctor diagnosed you as that, but it was this, right? Well, the Spirit knows exactly how to diagnose you. Here's an interesting question. You think your problem is this. You fill in the blank. It's dominating your thinking every single moment, right? But the Lord knows what the real problem is. What's holding something up? What's got things messed up? He knows your real weakness. So the Spirit then comes and helps us in our weakness. Because we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now that would be incredibly spooky to hear a spirit groaning in your bedroom. That'd freak you out. You'd never pray again. You'd never go back in that room again, right? <laughs> so what in the world is He talking about? He's using your wordless groans. He's using your pain. What you're lifting up. Sometimes you don't even know what to say. All you can do is groan or just barely get it out. You think, well, man, that wasn't articulate enough. I don't think God heard that at all. No, wrong. God knows already. He understands you. He just wants you to be able to come to Him. Just open your heart. And even if all you can get out is a few words and groan a little bit, it's all right. 
God will help you the rest of the way, right? The opposite of praying is pride, arrogance. Just thinking you're too much, you know. Just let yourself be weak and let the Lord groan through you. (laughs) He does that. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now, the Spirit does that with or without us, but he also does it with us, right? So that's why we pray in tongues, for example. That's an example. And sometimes they're just groans. And he prays in English, and he pray, you know, we can pray in any which way. Sometimes I, I think, even when I'm just interested in something, and it's really my pain, and I just, I can't even articulate the words, he hears it. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get it right. What keeps people from praying is they don't understand how utterly simple it is. Like when we first teaching our kids how to talk. <laughs> so do we bring a Webster's Dictionary out to that little two-year-old? Okay, okay, let's go. We're going to start in a minute. Uh, that didn't sound very good. I think you pronounced that love, not love. Or I think you... <laughs> do we do that with our kids? If they just say anything, like, oh, that was so good. Did you hear what he said? I didn't hear that. Well, he said it. I know. You know then he says something. Like, Did you hear that? <laughs> well, not exactly, but I think he's on his way, right? Okay. This is with us. Oh, my gosh. If prayer was complicated, nobody would do it. That's why some people don't do it. They think they got to be just perfect. Say it just right. He knows the intent of your heart. Just make sure you open your mouth and say something. Man, I'll tell you, if we would just approach God that way and just make it not only a discipline but the joy of our heart, and then if we would just track when he answers and remember and don't lose our memory, right, of things that he already did, so that when the next time comes around, you're ready to go again, right? Your memories of what God's done is so important. So let's look at Luke chapter 11, verses 9 to 10. I love these verses so much. Luke 11. Ask, seek, and knock are great descriptions of prayer. And... uh, so in Luke 11, Jesus is talking about praying, right? But he gets down, he, he goes through what we call the Lord's Prayer, right? Which covers various areas. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, various uh, things that uh, many of us are familiar with. But let's look at verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and the actual verb tense is this, asking. So asking, keep on asking. Keep on asking, it'll be given to you. Keep on seeking, you will find. Like, do this all the time. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Now, that in itself, I've already alluded to this, but this is a very, very powerful part of prayer, right? And then he says, for everyone who asks, receives. Man, oh man, are you kidding me? Okay, so here's the thing. When you begin to ask, sometimes you don't ask... You're asking for this out of your mouth, but what your heart really wants, you're not even sure or aware of. You don't really know what you really want. It's like a little kid. They're asking for something, but sometimes they don't know exactly what they're supposed to be asking for, right? You know their need. They don't know, and you know what would make it even better, right? And when you give them better, guess what? They're fine with that, right? They're okay with it, right? They're exactly like little kids. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Wonderful. So ask simply means to petition God. Encourage, uh, Hebrews 4.16 encourages to ask with confidence, which means freedom in speaking, plainness or exactness of speech. In other words, be specific. 
speak, speaks, uh, seek, sorry, speaks of our communion with God. We commune or have fellowship with our Father in heaven. So that's when we see that part of the prayer. Luke 11, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Hey, Dad, how's it going? <laughs> now every kid from like zero to 17 knows that when we have a heavy thing we're going to ask our dad, we don't just march right in there, right? Hey, Dad, how's it going? Hey, can I help you with anything today? <laughs> you understand? We understand that protocol as kids, right? And the bigger the deal, the more we, t we measure it out, right? <laughs> Let's see, go through everything. Did I do something I shouldn't have done? You know, he's, How, how's Dad feeling about this? Maybe I should help him with his car a little bit. Maybe I should help my mom like clean the house a little bit before I ask, right? So, <laughs> so this is not petty. This is actually the whole thing. It's a relational deal we're talking about. We're talking about our Father in heaven. And he made earthly fathers, you know, to give us a good example. Unfortunately, sometimes, and goodly and mothers also. But somehow we disconnect from that sometimes, especially if we had a lousy mother or father. In other words, one that left us or disappointed us. What that does is puts a dent in our relationship with God sometimes. We don't even know it till later, but, you know, we're thinking. And even maybe for some of you, even to think of God as father makes you cringe because of what happened to you. Maybe in your relationship, or maybe it's not been so good. But God wants you to know He's a good, good dad, right? It's really, really important. So ask simply means to petition God. Encourage uh, Hebrews 4:16 encourages us to ask with confidence, which means freedom in speaking, plainness or exactness of speech. Be specific. Oh, I can't tell you. This is how I learned to pray. Because when it, when, you, when you approach these subjects, I remember it still as today. You probably heard me say this. You've been with me for a while, but. I remember one of my main prayer uh, uh, people that discipled me was in six years old. I'm, I was in first grade. I'm telling you, I remember it was like yesterday. And oh, parents, 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 your kids don't kind of begin to understand God when they're 18. They understand when they're little. And there I am, and my parents take me to church, and I'm in that, and I even remember the lady's name. Her name was Rita McConnell. Now that's like been 20 years ago since I was six. <laughs> and then she just, she just said, now listen. So she'd just tell us and then she'd say, now you can pray for anything. And I, and I said to her, anything? And I had this list of gifts and things. I, you know, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm just thinking this is the whole be best thing I've ever heard of, right? Because she said, yeah, anything. Then she began to give us examples of things that she had prayed for and received and how wonderful it was. And I walked out of that room. I remember, I'm in first grade, for heaven's sake. I'm thinking, you know, i got a long list of stuff I need. You know, i got a lot of stuff, you know. And this was like, I don't know what it was about me, but I just had this need to have a lot of stuff, right? And uh, it wasn't Christmas either. That really amped up at Christmas, really did, right? So I'm thinking, I can ask God for this, and maybe he'll let my parents, he'll tell them about it, right? Because I'm ashamed to ask for some things that's too expensive, and I know that it's not going to be an easy deal. So I'd take it up, because she told me to. That's why. Wow. Kids' church. My, my. See what you're doing? You're raising up warriors. It's our children's pastor over here and our husband. 
I pray that by the, get, the time they get done with our children's ministry and on, move on with their life, they're, they're armed and dangerous, man. Just armed and dangerous. Because <laughs> once you get the hang of this and you figure out, here's another thing, an interesting thing, is you figure out, okay, like, so when you get older, you think, well, God's only interested in, like, really specific things, you know, here that maybe have a little tinge of religiosity and holiness to them, right? But it's just the opposite. He, if you're interested, and he's interested in it. And if your taste is bad and you're going the wrong direction, he'll even change that while you're asking for this stupid thing. And he'll go, oh, very nice. Okay, I hear that. And then he'll just shape it to what you actually really want and really need. But many times he'll just give you what you really want, right? But the thing is, as we're going to see, you just got to keep on pressing. That's part of the whole prayer process. You don't give up, as we're going to see. Actually, the thing is, as you look through these verses... 11, 9, and 10, like that. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. The, t- the tense of those verbs should be, keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and it will be Keep on knocking. It's the present continuous tense. It's keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking, right? So those are those three words. Ask simply means to petition God. Encourage, Hebrews 4.16 encourages to ask with confidence, which means freedom in speaking, plainness or exactness of speech. B specific be specific hebrews 4:16 let me read this let us then approach god's throne of grace are you not glad it's a throne of grace with what confidence if he died for your sins shed blood so that you could call on him and be safe for eternity if he made a way of access to his throne for you to request things of him, then why wouldn't you approach him with confidence? It is a throne of grace. It's not a throne of meanness. It's not a throne of dirty tricks. It's not a throne of disappointment. It's a throne of grace with confidence. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I don't suppose anybody has a time of need in here. <laughs> right? But just in case, that's a good scripture for you, right? <laughs> now, in our little Luke 11, 9 and 10, seek speaks of our communion with God. We commune or have fellowship with our Father in heaven. So, actually, in the beginning of the Lord, what we call the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11, one incredibly important part of it is Father. Open with Father. Now, like I said earlier, sometimes our Father wasn't so great. So we tend to pin that on God. But this Father cared so much, He sent His only Son to shed blood for you. This Father, actually, creator of the universe, knows why He made you and what He wants for your life. And His life are good plans. I came, Jesus said, that they might have life and had abundantly. John 10, 10. See, the more you know about the scripture, the more you know about God. And the more you know about God, the more you'll pray. If you think he's mean, stingy, irritable, <laughs> it's going to be hard for you. See, just part of the adventure of Christianity is finding how generous God really, really is. Unfortunately, sometimes in our walk with the Lord, even those of us that have known him for a long time fall out of love with his generosity. We sort of let life dull us. But I don't want to let life ever dull me, especially with my asking. Part of the great adventure of your life is asking, seeking, knocking, 
And that little six-year-old kid, you know. You know, once I began to get stuff, I never stopped. I never stopped. I was audacious. I was praying the most ridiculous things as a kid, you know. And some of them wouldn't come to pass, but many of them would. That's how I learned. And I remember, God, this is my first varsity game of basketball. I said, oh, God, God, i got to score 20 points, please. I scored 28 that day. I still remember. I remember, and I'd ask for all kinds of crazy stuff like that. But it led me to the more weighty things. Because God was interested in the little things, then came the great things. So God, give me a great wife. And there she is, right there on the front row. And I'm going to mess up on how many years we've been married. Lord, have mercy. I think it's, 40. anyway, it's in the mid-40s. How many years? 45. 45 years. It's stuck. And uh, I prayed for her, too. And she prayed for me. We prayed each other in. <laughs> right? All right, so why did I get on that? Asking. Okay. Well, let's move on to seeking. Seeking speaks of our communion with the Lord. We commune or have fellowship with our Father in heaven. And uh, if you look at Luke 11, 2.11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then you know who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So what we're talking about is we're not only getting stuff, but we learn to receive the Holy Spirit. We can ask for His presence in our life. So you get to ask for that too. You have not because you ask not. I want to hear your voice, God. I want you to answer my prayers. I, I want to pray for people and I want to see them get well. Right? So we commune or have fellowship with our Father. A lot of things that happen to us come out of this amazing relationship that develops with thanksgiving and grace for going through many battles with God and carrying uh, around a full tank of the Holy Spirit. Answered prayer helps you to carry a full tank, right? And so there's this communing and a gratefulness. So the thing is, our Father's not, uh, he's not, he's relational, right? Just like any father or mother should be. He's relational. This is really important to understand about him. He cares what you think. He cares what you think about him. He cares what you're meditating on. He cares about what's important to you. And that was a beautiful thing I discovered. So when I was a child, there were important things to me. Little things, but they were really important to me. But they discipled me into the greater things. So Lord, I want to be the most viable player in fifth grade on the football team. And I had a lot of sports prayers, evidently. Actually, I had a lot of school prayers, too. And I prayed. I prayed six months for that. And then it happened. Then sixth grade a lot came on. Lord, I want to be the most viable player on the, the sixth grade team. <laughs> happened again, right? So what happens is when I seek and I have this communion with the Lord, I began to think, hey, this God's pretty good. Now, there were other things I prayed for. It didn't happen or it didn't happen in the timing, but I began to learn. Hmm. But it's enough that got me interested. I'm thinking, okay. And then I began to understand, well, what was wrong with other requests, right? And then I learned later as I've been pondering, being the great purveyor of prayer I was and laying out my stuff, you know. Now, what's the difference between this one and that one? And I began to understand. Even the Lord would help me. Now, that one wasn't good because I have something better. That one wasn't good because that's just dumb. 
So I began to learn, you know. I was like, what was I thinking? Why would I pray about that anyway? I don't know. I'm really not that interested in it. I don't know why I even prayed in the first place, right? But if you ask for a fish, he's not going to give you a snake, even though maybe you might be asking, and it is a snake, but you don't know it. How many have been delivered from a bad relationship, and you thought it was the greatest thing in the world, and then you're praying, you're thinking God every day of your life, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I didn't keep that relationship. That would have been a total disaster. Thank you so much. But I think you need to keep score like that because it helps you to understand how prayer works and it helps you understand how generous God is. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Nope. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. So if the answer doesn't come like you thought, it's going to give you better, not worse. Always better, not worse. But listen, there's this thing, and here it is. God wants to have a relationship with you, right? He's not just that big like machine up in the sky where you put the money in, you know, that Coke machine in the sky. He wants to have a relationship with you. So he uses our asking and seeking and knocking to draw us into this great awareness of Jesus and how generous he is and his personality. And you learn about him, right? I learned a lot about my parents by what they let me have and what they didn't let me have, right? And it's the same with us. We learn all about him, right? And so we seek. We ask, we seek. But it speaks of our communion. We're not only asking, but we're seeking God. We're, we're wanting to work as a partner with him. One of the greatest privileges on the whole planet is to be partners with God. And one of the fastest ways you learn how to be partners with God is praying and seeing him make a way for you. Heal my body. Lord, take care of my children. Watch over. thing is, What's really, really important is don't be superficial. When you ask, seek, knock, right? And sometimes it takes that. It's like an elevation. Sometimes you have to really, you know, I could be calling outside the door, but, you know, shameless audacity, I may have to knock. But through the whole thing, you learn. You learn. Because verse 13 says, If you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And the Holy Spirit is just a word, forgive God to you. And included in God is this relationship that has peace in it, has communication in it, and has giving in it. You will never, ever outgive God. Why is that? Because He gave you the most precious gift in the universe. You can't go past giving the son, uh, sinless, spotless Son of God for you so that you could be sitting here listening to this sermon so you could know Jesus' relation, have a relationship with Jesus, you know, 20 centuries later. That's why he gave, right? So he's safe. If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In other words, give more of himself. And the Holy Spirit isn't just some spooky, weird, woo-woo. The Holy Spirit is this intimacy with God that helps you to see things through God's eyes. And by the way, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly means he, when you see, God through, see, see the world through God's eyes, you find out he's generous. And if something's not happening, in other words, you don't feel like he's being generous with you, then go back and ask him why. And then say, okay, God, let's start over. Because I see these scriptures and I heard what Mike said there at the, uh, on the sermon, and I don't feel like you've been very generous with me. What's up? Oh, what a dangerous prayer that is. What's up? What's up? But you have to be sold out about what's up. I want to know. What's getting in between you and I? What do I need to understand? And what was bad about that request? Well, sometimes you find what's bad about a request because you ask for a bonehead thing, and if you'd have got it, you would have destroyed your whole life, right? 
And sometimes you discover later, I tell you, I can't tell you how many of those wonderful things I've asked for and thank God 50,000 times for not giving it to me because it, it was just not even... I was asking, and sometimes we lowball it. I would say most of you lowball it with God. You think way too low. Way too low. Wait, He's more generous than you think. He's more loving than you think. Not only about your little tinkly toys that you want so bad, you know, that seems so important, but also... God knows how to take care of your whole life, so you end up happy, right? And if He throws away one of your boyfriends, don't worry about it. That wasn't for you. You'd be miserable. Ten years later, it'd be the worst thing you ever did, right? You see what I'm saying? Even these experiences where you thought loss, or there was a relationship, or something you lost, don't worry. Here's a great prayer, uh, uh, scripture. God causes all things to work together for good. For them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. You can take that one to the bank. So I'm on Roman numeral 2. Ask, seek, knock are great descriptions of prayer. Now let's look at knocking. Knocking speaks of prayer on another level. Maybe we might call it intercession. It's the part, uh, it's part of the boldness that we see in Luke 11:9. So ask, ask will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. So knocking is the guy, remember the parable? <laughs> Hey, Fred! You know, now he's beating the door down. Hey, Fred! I gotta have some bread. He's being crazy, you know, knocking the door down. And you know, in our nice, polite culture, maybe that doesn't seem right. But in Bible culture, knocking door the down, uh, the, the the door of God down is very welcome. And in that knocking, you might not be knocking the right way or whatever. You don't have to hold your mouth right. If you need some, you need it, right? Then you learn to be a little more refined about it because. Sometimes you're knocking and you go, what am I doing? I don't even want this anyway. I think I'll go knock in a different way, right? But God knows all of that, right? But oh, but let me just, I don't want to ruin the root of this because this persistence, if you look to the scriptures, and your scriptures are your best example for all the things I'm saying. Just go look at your scriptures. And I love the stories of people in the Bible. They teach you so much. And one of my favorites is in uh, uh, Hannah in 1 Samuel uh, one. So let's just go to Hannah and let's talk about her for a minute because she's actually one of our heroes um, because she explains so well sometimes the things we go through. So and there's a couple of things about Hannah that are really important. So this woman Hannah was barren and uh, she wanted a baby and she had, in those days they had multiple wives or at least they could have two or three, you know, so that wasn't so unusual and so there was her husband uh, had another wife. So this lady's having kids right and left, and Hannah can't have any. And what's more, the other lady's tormenting her. Could you imagine that? Say, yeah, I got some kids, you don't, you must be, and here's the, into, uh, here's the thing. The, the, we're, we're, religious people have this little tendency that she must be cursed. There must be something wrong with her. Right? So she's got double pain. God doesn't like me. My husband doesn't like me because I'm not bearing any kids. And in that time, bearing kids was huge, right? If a woman didn't bear kids, they just, it was the worst disaster in that culture. We don't have quite that thing, but many of you have been through that. But in their culture, this was a disaster. So let's just read these things, these verses. So, I mean, in verse 8, her husband's trying to, why are you weeping, Hannah? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Oh. Oh, man. So if you think about that for a minute, man, how many times have you made some, some bonehead mistake like that? 
Why are you upset for it? I mean, here I am. <laughs> or, can it really be that bad? Yes! Door slam. Oh. So you can learn a lot from praying, right? So, Tony, mean more to you than ten sons? So once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now, Shiloh is the place where God was residing, right? It was the, the place where they worshipped. Now, Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorposts of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you'll only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will be ever used on his head. What an amazing thing. Now, I'm just going to stop there for a moment, because most of you know what came next. The great prophet came out of this prayer. His name was Samuel. The thing is, she not only was birthing this son, but unbeknownst to her, she was uh, birthing the prophetic in the earth, which was the prelude to the kings, prelude to David and the kings. But all are foreshadowing the church and Jesus and the great movement of God that he would do through various gifts, prophets and apostles, right, on the New Testament side. So... But anyway, the advent of the prophets in the Old Testament was a big deal because they were also speaking, prophesying of what would be in the future of the Messiah and the details of the Messiah. And this God was using these prophets to actually discipline his people and actually become into relationship with his people, right? So she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So she's in deep pain. You ever been in that place? Your lips are moving, (laughs) but you can't even talk. Eli thought she was drunk. (laughs) Wow. And said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. (laughs) Not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul. I didn't know they had beer in the Old Testament. Anyway, I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. (laughs) Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may God, the God of Israel, grant you what you have asked him. What an amazing thing. So she's interceding. She's asking. She's knocking. She's seeking. But in this story, we see that not only is she asking for this child, but she's asking for more than she knew. She was asking for a great purpose because Samuel was the first. She was birthing the prophetic, the revelation of God through the prophets in the earth and God's plan. She was birthing something bigger. Could I just say that to you, ladies? You're always birthing something bigger than that child, some purpose that God wants to fulfill in the earth. You women have a greater sense of that purpose than anyone. You know about your children. You have something, and sometimes you're not acquainted with God's ways, so you didn't know you were supposed to know. But could I just say, you actually were born to know what those kids are about. And if you ask, God will show you who they are, and then God will give you the faith to pray until they become 
who they should be. I see this played out almost every weekend. As I greet you, I see you, and I watch our people coming. And I watch sooner or later that child we've been praying for for 30 years or 10 years or whatever. Well, there's news or some change. So women are uniquely gifted in this area, I believe, as a whole. But all of us should be in that place. I don't want to be left out either. I want to be just like my wife, right? I do, actually. She's really good at these sort of things, especially with our children. She knows about them deeper than I do, right? And I have to sort of check in every once in a while and hear what she has to say. Sometimes what she has to say, I think, nah, come on. I've said that more than once. And it's almost always a mistake because I'm just not either irritated with them or I just, you know, uh, they'll figure it out, you know, da-da-da. No, they won't figure it out. No, we've got to pray about this. No, I'm, I'm concerned about this. I want this to change. God has to do something different here. Okay? And so, no, I mean, I'm growing and growing in this myself, but I think women have a sort of an inside track on this, especially mothers and wives. I just think so. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. She got it. She got it. Somehow or another, that interaction, she got it. She thought, something changed today. Something happened today. I got blessed today. This is really important because sometimes God sends the answer in the form of a lowly person who exhorts you or a prophetic word that comes or a scripture you read on a chance day. Make sure when you're in a process and you're traveling and you're in the midst of a problem, you're listening with the ears of the Spirit. Don't let depression plug your ears. So somehow her ears got unplugged. Somehow the despair came out of her. She actually thought she had it before she had it. Right? Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because I asked the Lord for him. And Samuel sounds like the Hebrew for heard by God. So, Lord, I declare all the Samuels out there, I pray you would bring them forth in Jesus' name. This is like prime time, guys. I mean, I'm preaching. God's here. Two or three gather together. Here, here he is in our midst, right? This is like open season, man. Come on. Let's just dust the scales off. Dust the sorrow off. The disappointment. And see what better thing God has for you. Last thing. Bold, confident, shameless prayer opens doors of opportunity. There are doors to nations, groups, and individuals. I'd say businesses, families, households, cities. They're open through prayer. Once the spiritual door is open, people can believe and receive Jesus. So let's look at Colossians chapter 4, 2 to 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. So I want to go over there, but I need you to open the door. So Lord, I want to get into this business, but I need for you to open a door. I need to live in this town, Lord, so open a door. 
I want my child to get that scholarship to such and such, so open a door. Pray for us, too, that the Lord may open a door for our message so we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should. So he's asking not only that I would proclaim it, but I would do, I would say it just the right way, just like you would, Lord, in this situation. And if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 16, another great verse, uh, verses uh, 8 to 9. He says this in passing, but I think it's really interesting. He says, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. Now Paul's traveling all over the Mediterranean, going from place to place, trying to be led by the Spirit of what he's supposed to do. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. And this is why he's going to stay. And this is really cool. Because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. It's like, well, okay, I like the first part, but I don't like the second part. <laughs> right? We have the effective work and the great door without the, there are many who oppose me. But the thing is, this is all part of the prayer process because God wants you to have life and have it abundantly, but the devil only steals, kills, and destroys. So as long as we're on this earth, he isn't going anywhere. He's going to keep trying to steal, kill, and destroy, which is amazing to me is that people let him do it all the time because they don't have any prayer life. They don't think their prayers make a difference. So they just let him pillage and come and destroy and call it God's will. <laughs> that one hurts. Effective work is open. I got my answer to my prayer. Oop, and there are many who oppose me. So the thing is, about prayer, sometimes we get exactly what we know, what we want, what we need, but the enemy comes and tries to steal it. And we go, wait, that's not fair. <laughs> and then we get disappointed and discouraged, right? God let us down. No, God didn't let you down. But in the rule book, it doesn't say that the enemy isn't going to come and try to steal it. The thief comes only to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So if you're not sensitive enough, and you're not aware enough in the spiritual realm, you got blessed, and then the enemy just came and stole it, and there was no one to answer the door. There was no one to say, no, what are you doing? You can't do that. Because you didn't know you had that kind of access. And then you also didn't know that you could actually get blessed and the devil could come and try to steal it. Think That's not fair. God, I thought you were a blessing, God. Some of God's greatest lessons come in helping us understand that he's made just soldiers of the spiritual world. Some of you business guys. Some of you that work in business all the time. And make, you know, uh, our, our, most all of us have to make a living, right? We don't understand. The thief comes only to steal and kill, kill and destroy. And we blame God. Say, why did, you let, why did you let him do that? That's not fair. No, here's the deal. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. Slam the door in his face and say, shut up, stop it, and ask God to do something different. You're not a victim. You're dangerous. Very, very dangerous. dangerous. So the enemy doesn't want you to know that. Because a great door for effective work is open to me, and there are many who oppose me, right? So this great door that we pray for sometimes can be opposed or just creak barely open, right? So it's so important for us to learn, to pray, to intercede, to fight for what God gives us, you know? And these doors are important. 
And I love these doors. Once a spiritual door is open, people can believe and receive Jesus. But there's all kinds of doors that we go through to do the will of God. Empowerment to minister fearlessly. Bold, confident, shameless prayer opens doors of opportunity. So empowerment to minister fearlessly. So we're in a weird environment. It's rife with fear around every turn, right? And when I say ministry, I'm not just talking about ministering just spiritual things. We have these unique places, unique stewardships, unique places where God's put us in the mosaic of a neighborhood or an area or a region, right? And so we're we're important. It's important that we learn to minister uh, fearlessly. And so Paul's praying in Ephesians chapter six, and he says, "And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests." So praying in the Spirit's one of the best deals you can ever get. Well, I don't know what I'm saying. What? No, I, I don't understand. I don't like praying in tongues. I don't know what I'm saying. Well, like, I don't need to know, but when if my heart's full of something and I want it answered and I'm praying in tongues about it, there's a good chance that the Spirit's not going to say, ah, you didn't pray the right tongue today. Sorry about that. <laughs> you might say to yourself, well, that's silly. I'm praying a language I don't even understand. You know, how could I be praying? Well, he says it right here. When he says praying in the Spirit on all occasions, he's not just talking about an anointed English prayer, if that happens to be your language. He's talking about tongues. Praying in the Spirit and tongues are the same. So he could either one could be anointed by the Spirit, but that little gift he gave you, the speaking in tongues, this is one thing I never have understood. Fortunately, I got caught when I was 16 years old. I came back tongue-talking from a conference, and they snuck a guy in there and got him in. I managed to find the, the little room where he was in of all these Presbyterians who didn't have any interest whatsoever in what he was saying. They began to get interest, but he was like the opening thing, right? So I found this little room, and I started speaking in tongues, right? And I began to learn about this. I began to go, hmm, on all occasions, whenever I was, I would just speak. I, and I realized, because I realized that when I was speaking, I was praying, and it was so easy. I didn't have to speak English. I didn't have to try to, th- God knows already, I'm just praying this in tongues, man. I'm praying this over this. I'm praying over everything. And so, like, I found out you could pray in the middle of a basketball game. Just ask Tua Tagovailoa. A couple of years ago, he won the national championship for Alabama. Do you know what he was doing on that last drive down the road? Many of you saw that, like 60 or 70 yards down the road. They asked him, how in the world did you do this? You're a freshman. They put you in at the last minute. You brought him all the way down the field, and you scored the winning touchdown in the last seconds. How did you do it? He says, I was speaking in tongues. And that made the media. I have the articles. I was speaking in tongues. And he said, well, speak. What do you mean? Well, I was praying. Praying in tongues the whole way. And he said, why are we doing that? He says, well, prayer works. But the other thing is it calmed me down. Because I'm like a freshman. I'm in a national championship game. At the very end of the game, they put me in, in front of, instead of the starter. Oh, man. So, like, I played basketball and it's so funny. I lived in a, an area that spoke more than one language, right? And I was looking because Spanish and English was spoken mostly. And then I learned to pray in tongues while I was playing basketball. So I wasn't speaking Spanish. And I wasn't speaking English. And I look at those people. And when I first come down, and I look at their eyes. And they're going like that. It just meant that they go like that. I go right around them and soar. So I, you know... <clears throat> Sneaky stuff, right? 
But it says it, right? Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, even when you're dribbling a basketball or whatever you're doing with all kinds of prayers and requests. And I don't even know half of what I'm praying sometimes, right? Sometimes I go, oh, and I just start praying in English, and I get the most inspired English prayer. I realize, oh, that's probably the interpretation of that, you know? Right? I just start praying. But I do both. I'm bilingual. <laughs> Actually, I don't know how many linguals I am, because sometimes my prayer language changes. So, like, you know, my little Portuguese over here and over here, who knows? Even the tongues of angels, maybe. With this in mind, he says, listen, be alert. He says, pray in all presence. On all occasions, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. What a privilege. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I may will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So even the apostle Paul got intimidated from time to time, Right? And if you look at Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So they actually, after Jesus is resurrected and the church is beginning to take off and they get arrested, right? So it's a frightening situation. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So they began to pray this amazing prayer, right? You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, Jay, uh, servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage? And so on and so forth. Then they go down. Indeed, verse 27, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now look at this. This is the part where it gets good, right? So the believers are... They explode because the Spirit falls and the church begins. But they learn something from Jesus because they could have thought, oh, no, now we're in deep trouble. They killed Jesus, now they're going to get us, right? No, they didn't do that. Jesus prepared them for that. Guess what they did? They had prayer meetings, long ones, right? So here they are. Hey, one, a couple of our guys got thrown in jail. This isn't good. Jesus just got killed. Oh, okay. But they start praying. They start praying these prayers. Now look what they do. Listen to this. So, okay, now, let me just say this before I do this. Say this. So in your life, there's blessing and then there's counterattack. Sometimes it happens like that. There's blessing and counterattack. What you got to make sure you do is don't get deceived by the counterattack because the enemy always makes himself look bigger than he really is. Right? And if you get a blessing, if there's a counterattack, don't go, oh, no, I knew it. I'm cursed. I knew it. It's about the time things start turning around. Now I don't have nothing. I knew this wasn't real. Oh, man. Can you see how perfect that is? You're discovering God. You're trying to learn how to pray and do the things. And you're just experimenting. you got some good things happening. Go, oh, he really is alive. And the enemy goes, hmm, I'm going to head that one off at the pass. I'm going to make him miserable for a while. And then you go, I knew it. This stuff isn't real. Look at that. Here it is again. Don't you get it? You've got an adversary. He's tricky. He's not dumb. He goes, you know, I'll hit him right this moment where he's just beginning to see the goodness of God. I'll whack him a little bit, rattle his cage, and make him forget all about the blessing and all about God. Does the devil do stuff like that? Yes. Every day. Tell me now this COVID thing. He delivered us from so many things. 
And then some of you are scandalized right now because you're thinking, oh my gosh, it didn't just clear everything. Everything just get, didn't get clear. Could you get that? <laughs> it's my intercessory son. So <clears throat> we have this counterattack back and forth, back and forth, right? Back and forth. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with boldness. So they go, okay. They're going the opposite way. No. Okay, we got arrested. You know what? She just told us how to do this. You know, he got in trouble all the time. He showed us how to handle situations like this. You see what I'm saying? So some of you are newer to the Lord. So you stepped out in faith, and you're doing this, and then all of a sudden your life got miserable. And oh my gosh, this stuff doesn't work. What am I doing here? No, your enemy, your soldier is trying to take advantage of you. You're just taking your first little steps out of the womb, and then the enemy smacked you on the ground for walking. See how sneaky he is? So this has happened to them. They have this incredible move of God. People are coming to Christ everywhere. Then all of a sudden this persecution breaks out. Sometimes with your prosperity of your company and your life and your family, something incredible happens. And then all of a sudden the enemy just comes and does whack. And, and when, you, when you get that thing good, you go, oh, finally things have turned around. And then the enemy says, oh, I got them. Because their life's dependent on this whole thing turning well. So I'm just going to make it sour again. And I'm going to get them. But I'm going to make them even worse than they were before. Get that? I'm going to make it even worse. Because they, they took faith. And I got the answer. I thought that this was the whole thing. That was only part of your life, that thing. It wasn't the whole thing. And the enemy slaps you down. So these guys says, no, nah, we're not going to do that. You know what they did? Turned it into an opportunity. Look what they did. They go, oh, now, Lord, we're not retreating. We're not going back. Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They're saying, we don't care what they say. We want more, not less. I don't care if a couple of people got arrested. We're going into the promised land. We're going to keep on going. COVID lightens. <sighs> And then something other stupid thing comes along the way. Oh, God, not again. Don't fall for that. It will happen. Things like this. Don't let your life be ruled like that. You tasted something good. You tasted something great during this crisis. It's still there, but more is ready. You just got to learn to do business in a world falling apart. And you do a supernatural. You fly above it. You fly around it, whatever you have to do, but you'll get through it. So that's what they're doing here. They could have said, man, God, you brought the Holy Spirit. All these people are saved now. Now we're all getting thrown in jail. What's that all about? Now, Lord, consider their threats. What are they doing? They're going, hey, wait a minute. I'm loaded. i got ammunition. I'm going to nail that thing, man. Lord, consider their threats. Now I want you to do this. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I want to be more bold than I was before. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders like you did before. Through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Arrest or no arrest. Do more of it. Do more of it. Pour out. Pour out, Lord. After they prayed, guess what? God said, oh, I really like this. They finally got, I really, these guys, this is my church. And this thing's going to go on until the end of time. They got it. Jesus, you taught them well. They got it. Spirit, you've been teaching them well. So listen to this. After they prayed, guess what happened? The place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I thought they already got the Holy Spirit. They got a refill. 
And they went out more bold than they were before, despite the disappointment. Can you imagine if that's the way we were? We get disappointed, discouraged over something precious to us, and all of a sudden we go, oh my gosh, there's opportunity for more here, Lord, thank you very much. And the Holy Spirit begins to shake the place, and you find out, oh, you can't defeat people like that. It's just that when you're going to life, you've got to come in armed with both guns blazing. And when he steals one gun, then you got to take the other one and shoot. <laughs> Whatever it takes, right? And this is just life. Bold, confident, shameless prayers. Open doors of opportunity. And when they try to close, you go back and you open them up again. But this time you ask for more than you were before. A bigger door than was there before. If you get stolen from your company, if something happens where you lose, you launched out into this business and then the enemy takes it away or something bad happens, then just say, oh my gosh, that's my cue. I get to pray for more now. More, not less. And that's exactly what the early church got. They responded. And God <laughs> shook the place. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, physically shaken. God's saying, Amen. Good job. And God will shake you that way. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They already got the Holy Spirit. They evidently needed a refill. They got that. And then they went out bolder than they were before. Ooh, you can't defeat people like this. Could it be that COVID and all the related things with it were nothing more than a preparatory for us to be more powerful, not less? To come up on the other side of it and say, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what you're doing to me. I'm going to come out the other side and we will be blessed and we will overcome and we're going to make it. All through this little thing called bold, shameless, confident prayer. Wow. One last thing. Daniel chapter 10, just to give us a little picture of how this thing sometimes plays out. It looks at the very bottom of the page. It says, great doors of revelation, angelic activity, new understanding, spiritual experience are experienced through prayer. And so there's this man in the Bible. His name is Daniel, one of my favorite guys in the whole Bible, right? And I'm just going to finish with this. Daniel 10, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. Well, wait a minute. He gets this word, a revelation, a great war. Well, like, a lot of people, uh-oh, trouble's ahead. So people do everything but pray. They do all kinds of things. Oh, bat down the hedges when you do this. Take your, sell your... Your, your, your bonds or your investments, do it. Get ahead of the curve. <laughs> Move out of the area before all the prices fall. Hurry, hurry, right? I mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks over. So he hears about the bad news, right? And so he begins to fast and pray about it. He begins to deal with it on the real level where it's going to be dealt with. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from uh, Uphaz <laughs> around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches as an angel, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. 
a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Now listen to this. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. So he heard the prayer was heard in heaven, but the demonic powers in the heavenlies resisted for 21 days. So we could have thought, well, nothing was done, nothing was heard, nothing happened. But there's a resistance, there was a demonic thing, actually a high-level demon, because he was praying about Israel, he was praying about high-level things, and a, a Persian, uh, uh, prince of the Persian kingdom, in other words, the prince of the, over the country, over the nation, was resisting, the evil spirit, in other words, an evil angel. But he resisted Michael for 21 days. So what was happening with Daniel. He's praying the whole 21 days. In other words, he's praying the angel Michael through to get to him in the resistance. So it's glorious because angels are involved, God's involved, and we're involved about their own nation. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. They're talking about this angelic thing that's going up. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So you get it? Daniel's having this prayer meeting, fasting and praying for three weeks. But in the middle of the whole thing, inaugurate a great demonic thing that comes in an attack. But he fights through it in prayer, and then the angels come, and then the answer comes, and then he gets revelation. Are you getting it? Yes. You get attacked, you pray, it takes a little while, and there's a warfare going on through your lips to Jesus in the name of Jesus. This thing's going back and forth, demons are involved, and finally you get to the other side, right? What would happen if you gave up? What happens if you got to the 19th day? Our prayers fuel the angelic uh, hosts. They fuel God's emissaries. God uses our intercession. It may take a while, but we just get a rare view here of what's going on on the other side of the, of the, of the whole thing, right? In Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. I love this so much. For this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives this name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I just want to just say, I think in this whole thing called bold, shameless, confident prayer, the real issue is whether you actually believe that God is good enough, that God loves you enough, that God is powerful enough, that God will actually come in your situation and help you. He's praying for them. Oh, that they would get a hold of how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Because if they get a hold of that, they will never give up. They will never stop praying. 
They will always be victorious. Even when the enemy attacks, they will find a way. They will resist. Their prayers will empower the very angels of heaven to work for them on their behalf. What they say with their lips will actually be moving the furniture around in heaven. When we say, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as heaven, we're not only addressing God, but we're also addressing demonic things that are trying to attack us and God and bring negativity to us, right? We're asking God to bring His authority into every situation. Amen? Oh, what a great Bible we have. Bold, confident, shameless prayer opens doors of opportunity. Amen? All right, let's all stand. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I think you cleared the atmosphere a little bit. So I really appreciate that. You know what I can't get over as I was speaking? I just kept thinking of all these childlike things I said when I was a little boy. And how they turned into bigger things when I got older. God bless you Sunday school teachers. You don't know what you're depositing in a kid. You have no idea sometimes what you're doing. They remember stories. Things get deposited in them that they remember for a lifetime. They remember experiences. And actually in their simple faith, sometimes they'll just take hold of things and begin to pray. That's what I began to do. Some of you know my story. I just pray over all kinds of things. <laughs> sometimes I pray over things that are so personal, but I want to say them, but there's like kind of, I don't know. Anyway, you, I'm just ridiculous about what I pray about. So it's sort of like, you know, it wouldn't be of interest to you, but like high interest to me. Just little, tiny, 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 tiny things. I don't even want to tell you what I pray over. It would be embarrassing. Yeah. Golf scores isn't working out too good. But there's a whole bunch of other things that are working out really good. And uh, Lord, I want to ask you today. You know, I just think what a great day this would be to pray with somebody. The reason why we always have a ministry team is because where two or three gather together, the Bible says you get a head start on your prayer. Yes. There I am in their midst. So you can do that with your husband, your wife, or maybe your husband or wife isn't here, or maybe you don't have a husband or a wife. But you still need to agree with people. So I'd like our ministry team to come up, and they'll agree with you about anything you want to ask today. And in light of the atmosphere, in light of the faith that's been released in the room, I'd pray big today. I'd go big today. Go big. This very day, asking for big stuff. And even while you guys are up here, you guys that are praying, you're locked and loaded. You're going to be praying for other people. You're going to be praying for yourself even as you're part of the ministry team. I'd like this whole altar to fill up with the ministry team. You know why you're qualified to be a ministry team? Because you volunteered, but you're no good up here unless you actually have prayed to yourself and seen God answer prayers. And so the people that are up here generally are people that have actually seen the answers to their own life prayers, right? And so it makes them powerful, right? Like Tom Savino down there had a major financial miracle. He's locked and loaded, man. Anybody needs a financial thing. Well, they, they might line up out the door for you, Tom. I mean, he had one of the biggest things I've ever seen happen. Just whoa. How many years did you contend for that one? Five years of contending. And it finally broke through. Whew. Wow. And it's a really big deal. Right? Really big deal. Surely I have some more people who will come up and pray for people.
Come up here. Surely there's some more people that would like to pray for someone. By the way, it's a little secret. Pray for someone else, and guess what? God will remember you. Sow a good seed. Encourage somebody else. Let's just turn this into a house of prayer today. You could do it from your seat, or you could come up in the front. Even if you can't get with one of these nice people, just come up and say, God, here I am. I just want to take some time. You might just stand over there and just say, here I am, God, you know. I may not be praying with anybody, but here I am. I just think faith's in the room when I was just speaking. Why don't you just take a moment with God and say, God, this is what I need. You might even tell him when you need it by and pursue it. And I'm just going to break the disappointment the shame off of anybody that came here and said, oh, I tried that before, but it didn't work. In the name of Jesus, I break every form of disappointment and shame off you. The Lord rebuked that shame. Whatever demonic thing is sent it, in the name of Jesus, I break your power. As husbands and wives pray here together, as people even on the live stream are praying, God, as people come up here to pray with somebody, they're agreeing in prayer. I pray, God, that the heavens would shake. I pray the earth would move. I pray, Lord, there would be a definite change just because you came and asked and you agreed with somebody in prayer. Where two or three gather together, there I am in their midst, so it especially works when you ask and pray together. So come forward, Lord, and I just ask over every prayer request that's being offered today. Lord, whether we're sitting in our seat or we're up here, I pray you'd hear. I pray we take extra time and all the prayers that are offered will be full of the Holy Spirit. We just unburden our heart. And I pray, God, just like we see these people praying in the Bible, Lord, unburdening their heart. I pray, God, you would hear from heaven, just like Hannah, and the purposes of God would come forth in this hour. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.